Well, good evening to you all here once again, and uh, it's good that we can uh, enjoy this second session this evening together. I want to welcome those who are watching online or via DVD. Pray that God will bless you as you journey uh, with us here in this second presentation. This second presentation in the Discover Hope series I've entitled The United States in Bible Prophecy, and it continues on from where we left off in our previous presentation. Now, the United States of America, it's the lone superpower today in the world, the most powerful, the most mighty nation that has ever existed in all of human history. The question is, will the United States of America play a major role at the end of time in the fulfillment of Bible prophecy? Yes, it's a mighty nation. It is the mightiest nation today, the mightiest nation that's ever, that's ever existed on the face of the planet. But will it have a major role to play at the end of time in relation to the fulfillment of Bible prophecy? That's our question for this evening. And so once again, we want to find out from where? From the Bible, what the Bible has to say on this subject. So before we open up God's Word, as always, we need to pray and we need to ask God's Holy Spirit to guide and lead us through this all-important message. Father in heaven, we ask and pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to our hearts. As we take a look at this all-important subject, Father, that relates to the days that we are living in and the times that are still ahead. We ask and pray that your Holy Spirit will lead and guide us and help us to understand the message that you have for us. For this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to go back to the book of Revelation as we begin this wonderful book, the revelation of Jesus Christ, uh, unveiling to us his wonderful truth, but at the same time revealing to us the enemy's deceptions. We want to go to this beast power, this, this beast that arises out of the sea. And a beast represents a kingdom in Bible prophecy. This kingdom that would arise. And we have discovered that this power is none other than the Roman church state. Notice what the Bible says regarding this power. In Revelation 13 verse 3 it says, And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. Now, I don't have time to get into it tonight. I have um, uh, deleted a number of slides where I would have taken you through this. The Roman church state, according to Scripture, would rule for 1260 years. You can read about that in Daniel. You can read, that, the, read about that in the book of Revelation. From 538 AD to 1798 AD, for 1260 years, the Church of Rome was a political and religious entity. In 1798, it received what God said would take place. It received a mortal wound. Uh, Napoleon sent his general Berthier into Rome and he took Pope Pius VI captive in February of 1798, and that is when the Church of Rome received its mortal wound. It no longer was a political power. 
It was only a religious power and many were wondering uh, whether it would even survive as a religious power. But the Bible says, and its deadly wound was what? Healed. And not just that its deadly wound was healed, but more so the whole world marveled and followed after the beast. Now that is huge, huge. The Bible says that the church of Rome would not only have political and religious authority in Europe, where it once had all that authority and all that power during that 1260 year period, but the church of Rome would be followed and its dictates would be followed right around the world. It would be a worldwide power. It would have worldwide prestige and influence. The question is, how will it happen? How will this happen? It's impossible, absolutely impossible for a church, any religious institution on the planet to have this kind of power. This power must be given to it. So that's what we want to find out tonight. How the Church of Rome will receive this power, this authority, where the entire world will marvel and follow after its dictates. Notice what the Bible says in Revelation 13, 11. How will it happen? Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence, speaking of the Roman papacy, that's that first beast, and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to do what? To worship the first beast whose deadly wound was what? Healed. This is obviously speaking of the church of Rome. So this power that arises out of the earth will cause the entire world. How much of the world? The entire world to worship this power. This is a phenomenal claim. A phenomenal claim. Now, we need to ask, who is this power? Who is this lamb-like beast that arises out of the earth who causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed? Who is this lamb-like power? That's our question tonight that we want to unpack together. I want to put it to you, my friends, that this power that Revelation 13 is describing is none other than the United States of America. The Bible predicts, Revelation predicts, that the United States of America will come into such a close alliance with the Roman papacy that it will cause the entire world to worship according to the dictates of Rome. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. I don't have time to go into the details of how this most unlikely alliance, I have a whole message that I entitle, When Opposites Attract, where this alliance between the Roman papacy and this alliance between the most powerful and mighty Protestant nation in the world, where this alliance is coming together. Absolutely mind-boggling. If I had another presentation, I would share all this incredible um, detail and evidence with you, and maybe on another day, maybe on another occasion. But tonight, we want to take a look at the United States of America. 
we want to take a look at what the Bible had to say regarding the United States of America. Now, the, the first three individuals that that looked at the role of the United <coughs> excuse me, looked at the role of the United States of America <coughs> and compared it to this power, this lamb-like beast, were these three individuals: Dr. Thomas Goodwin, Isaac Bacchus and John, Judge John Bacon. They all lived in the, in the 17th and 18th centuries. This is from Leroy Froome in his book, The Prophetic Faith of Our Fathers, volume 4, page 1094. Although they did not name this power as the United States of America, these three distinguished pioneers in Revelation 13, thank you, Michael, Goodwin, Bacchus, and Bacon connected this power with Protestantism. Furthermore, Bacon suggested that the two horns represented civil and religious liberty. These three individuals, they were the first ones. As they looked at this prophecy in Revelation chapter 13, verses 12 to 17, as they looked at this prophecy, as they looked at the identification marks of this power that was arising, at a certain time in earth's history, they said it must be Protestantism. Protestantism. And as I pointed out, Bacon, Judge Bacon, looked at those two horns and he said they must represent civil and religious liberty. John Wesley. John Wesley, he wrote these words in 1754 regarding this second beast of Revelation 13. He is not yet come, but he cannot be far off, for he is to appear at the end of the war, 42 months of the first beast. He had read Revelation, and he knew that this power would appear toward the end of the reign of this first beast power, which is the Roman papacy, at the end of the 1260-year period. And he knew that 1260-year period was coming to an end. This is John Wesley. The first individual, he didn't know it was the United States of America, by the way. The first individual to name this power as the United States of America was 22-year-old James, sorry, John Nevins Andrews in 1851. He was the first individual who looked at Revelation 13, studied the prophecies, studied the details that we are about to study, and based on those identification marks, he said, this is speaking of none other than the United States of America. John Nevins Andrews in 1851 predicted that this was that power. In fact, I should say he identified this power as the United States of America. And by the way, in 1850, the United States population was about 24 million about what Australia's population is today. It was a very small country in its infancy. Its economy was certainly not what it is today. It was one of the small powers. It was a growing power. It was growing at an alarming rate, even in the 1850s, but it was still not a power compared to the other big powers in the world at the time, especially there in Europe. So tonight, let's put the pieces together. Um, in our 
In a previous presentation, we looked at the mark of the beast and we looked at the seal of God and clear evidence from scripture that helped us identify it very clearly. In a, in, in a presentation before that, we looked at this beast power, this kingdom that would arise out of the sea in Revelation 13 verses 1 to 10 and we clearly identified it from Revelation 13 and Daniel 7 that it was speaking of none other than the Roman church state. Now once again tonight, according to, according to God's plan, he will once again make it crystal clear that this is indeed speaking of the United States of America. I want to give you six six identification marks tonight um, that pinpoint this power as the United States of America. Firstly, Revelation tells us the United States would arise at a specific time in history. Now, how do we know that? The very first word that introduces this new power is the word what? Then. John writes, then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. Then. The, the obvious question is what? When is then? Does that make sense? Have a look at the previous verse. Notice the previous verse. It tells us when the then is. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. This is speaking of the Roman church state, the Roman papacy. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Now, when did the church of Rome receive that deadly wound that God predicted it would receive in Revelation 13 verse 3? In 1798, February 15, 1798. We've already looked at that. When Napoleon sent his general Berthier into Rome and he took the Pope off his throne, Pope Pius VI, and he, and he took him away as a captive. 1798. So we are looking for the United States of America to emerge onto the scene of history in a major way around what year? 1798. Around 1798. You remember what John Wesley had to say? This power has not yet come onto the scene of history, but it must not be very far away because it will come at the end of the what? At the end of the 42 months or at the end of the 1260 year period. That was John Wesley and we looked at that quote. Now let's take a look at the United States of America. It declared its independence in 1776. It voted through its constitution in 1789. It adopted the Bill of Rights in 1791 and was recognized as a nation well and truly by 1798. The very year when the papacy received that mortal wound. One out of one. Tick. Let's go to our next identification mark. The United States would arise in a sparsely populated area. Now, how do we know that? How do we know that? Well, notice what the text tells us. It says that this beast would come up out of the what? Out of the earth. Now, the sea is the opposite to the earth. No prizes for guessing that. <laughs> the sea, according to Revelation 17, 15, represents multitudes, nations, tongues, and peoples. Many, many people. The earth is the opposite. So this would be a place where there would be very, very few people. 
The old world was Europe, where the masses were. The new world, the United States, is where there were very few. And when the, and when the pilgrims first settled, there was an estimated 4 million Indians um, there in the United States of America, in that vast area. And so it was a sparsely populated country, relatively speaking. Now, in Revelation 12, 16, we also have this term, the earth, appear. It says, but the earth, and speaking of the United States of America, the earth helped the woman, the church that was being persecuted, and the earth swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. We're going to deal with Revelation 12 on Friday. But here God says that he would open up a country. He would open up a continent where his people that were being persecuted would be able to flee to. And that's exactly what happened. Isn't that right? If you know your history, you'll know that the pilgrims left the old world, Europe, and they traveled on ship to the new world, the United States of America, in order to enjoy religious freedom. In order to enjoy what? Religious freedom. 1620, when the, when the Mayflower arrived in the United States. Number three, the United States would have two horns like a lamb. That's what the text says. And he had two horns like a lamb. Now, what do horns represent? Horns, rep horns represent two things. They represent power. They represent what? Power, according to scripture. Symbol of power. And the other symbol, they represent a kingdom. A kingdom or a nation or a principle. So, so these two horns are representative of this nation that will be founded on two major principles. How many major principles? Two major principles. You remember Judge Bacon? Judge Bacon earlier on? He identified this power as not only Protestantism or having a connection with Protestantism, but providing civil and what? Religious liberty. You remember that from Judge Bacon? These two horns have no crowns. No crowns on this beast. The first beast has crowns. It says there are crowns on its heads, on its seven heads. But no crowns on this beast. Who wears a crown? A king or a queen? A government of the people, for the people and by the people is the government of the United States of America. Republicanism and Protestantism. Republicanism, a government without a king. That's why there is no crown on the horns. And Protestantism, a church without a pope. A pope wears a crown, isn't that right? Popes and kings and queens wear crowns. There would be no pope. There would be no state church in the United States of America. And there'd be no king or queen in the United States of America. Does that all make sense? It indeed does. The Church of England is called the Church of England because it was what? The official church of the state. And the United States said, we're not going to do that. We're not going to go the way of the old world. This is going to be a brand new experiment, a new world, a new way of living life. 
That's because those who fled the old world knew what happens when the church and the state get into bed together. Bad news. Bad news. Whenever the church and state come together, it always, it how often? Always results in persecution. Persecution of those who are not willing to go with the authorized state church. So they knew. They knew full well of the persecutions that had taken place in Europe. And you can go there today and there are memorials everywhere in Europe where the church persecuted through the aid of the state. In fact, that's what happened in the days of Jesus. Isn't that right? In the days of Jesus, the Roman government and the religious leaders got together and they put Jesus on the cross. Nothing new under the sun. And that's what's going to happen at the end of time, but I won't run ahead. The United States, they fought a war not to, not to overcome another nation, but to be separate from the old world. That was the war, the war of independence. The Declaration of Independence, that those first 13 states that became the United States of America signed. You can go there uh, today to Washington and there it is, signed by the, by the representatives of the 13 states that became the, the United States of America. And notice these words in the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created what? Equal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Created equal? You've got to be joking. If you were living in the old world, there was no such thing as all men are created equal. The king was not equal to the pauper living down the road. The pauper didn't have the same rights that the king had. Not on your life. But this was to be a new country where everybody was supposed to be equal and have certain inalienable rights. Now, what are those rights? That among these are what? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of what? Happiness. Does that sound like a plan? Yes, it does. Notice this from the Constitution in 1789. These words are in the Constitution of the United States of America. The Constitution is the very bedrock like the Ten Commandments of the Constitution of Heaven, this is the Constitution of the nation. This is who the nation is. This is the character of the nation. Notice these words. Congress. This is the First Amendment. Right at the top. Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. How wonderful is that? That is freedom. Freedom for you to worship according to the dictates of your conscience. You can worship when you, when you want to worship, how you want to worship, who you want to worship, or not to worship at all. It's up to you. That is between you and your God. The, the, the nation will have nothing at all to do with your worship because that belongs to God alone. Isn't that awesome? This separation of church and state, very, very clear in the Constitution. And not just that you have the freedom to worship, but the First Amendment speaks of you have the freedom to exercise 
your freedom to share what you think or what you believe, to, to protest if you like, to assemble. You have the freedom to speak and to act in harmony with your conscience. As long as you are not harming anyone else, you can do and say as you please. Isn't that good news? That's great news. All of our Western democracies, including the place where my parents came to in Melbourne, there in Australia, this, this beautiful country, we today enjoy the freedoms that were given to us by this experiment. By this what? An experiment in how to run a country by the United States of America. Today, the Western world have taken it on board and today we refer to it by a word beginning with D, de democracy, democracy, democracy. We are blessed today because of the United States of America, regardless of what they may do today. But what they did back then was to give the rest of the world an opportunity to govern in a brand new way, providing civil and religious liberty. Do you know what? Civil and religious liberty is what Jesus espoused. These are the very principles of Jesus. Jesus recognized two separate kingdoms. Notice what we read. In Matthew 22, verse 21, Jesus said, well, this was based on the question, should we give taxes to Caesar? Yes or no? Should we? They try to trip him up. You know how they try and trip him up? They try to trip him up again. Notice Jesus' response. And he said to them, render therefore to who? Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to who? God the things that are what? God's. Jesus recognized two separate kingdoms. How many kingdoms? The kingdom of heaven, where you worship God in harmony with the dictates of your conscience, and the kingdoms of this world, where you and I need to be law-abiding citizens and pay our taxes and, and, and live within the laws of this land as long as they do not, they do not go against the laws of God. And in fact, these two principles are found in the Ten Commandments. You think of the Ten Commandments. The first four commandments deal with your relationship with who? God. The next six commandments deal with your relationship with who? With others. God, render unto God, render unto Caesar. The United States is the most blessed nation on the planet. There has been no other nation on the planet where God has poured out so many blessings that have made it into the lone superpower in the world, and that is because it adopted at the very beginning these two principles, the separation of church and state, civil and religious freedom, based on the words of Jesus. There is no other way to explain it. No other way to explain it. And I'll share with you some statistics in just a little bit. The United States would exhibit lamb-like characteristics. We've talked about that. Jesus-like characteristics. Notice what it says. It says that it two horns like a lamb. Now, the word lamb appears 33 times in the New Testament. 
29 of those times in the book of Revelation. Every single time, the word lamb is a symbol for who? Jesus Christ in the entire New Testament, except for this one time. This one time, this power will start off lamb-like, but as we read, it will turn into a dragon. And that's, and that's something that we're going to look at. Now, what did John see? Some think he may have seen a, a, a buffalo or a bison. Uh, we don't know. We don't know. We just know that this beast had two horns like a little lamb. John the Baptist cried out when he saw Jesus, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John 1.29 Jesus said in Matthew 11.28, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will do what? I will give you rest. Jesus invites us to have rest, to have peace. Is that how the United States began? When it inaugurated its constitution, when it inaugurated its declaration of independence, is that how the United States began? It wasn't like that for the first couple of hundred years, let me tell you that. If you read colonial history, before 1776, the United States was very different. Very different. It sadly adopted many of the practices of the old world. It forced worship upon its citizens. And that is why the Declaration of Independence and that is why the Constitution was so pivotal, so pivotal in its success. Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor in a heavy land, I'll give you rest. These words, these words reflect the words that we find on the Statue of Liberty. This beautiful poem from Emma Lazarus that is there plastered on the Statue of Liberty. Notice these words. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shores. Send these, the homeless, tempest tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. Aren't these words reflective of the words of Jesus? What did Jesus say? Come unto me, all you who are. Labor and a heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. The United States, my friend, opened its doors wide for everyone and anyone from right around the world to come to the United States and experience political and religious freedom. It opened its doors wide. That's what this poem says. You're tired, you're poor, you're huddled masses yearning to breathe while Yearning to be free. <laughs> Yearning to be free. Why did my parents, one of the reasons why my parents left Macedonia to come to Australia was because of religious freedom. You see, in Macedonia, when, when they were growing up, if you didn't go to school on Saturday, you were beaten by your teacher. And you were, you were, you were discriminated against. Even today, in some countries, in Europe, if you don't go to church, sorry, if you don't go to university, or sorry, if you don't uh, do the exams, which are only on Saturday, you don't pass. Even today. We don't have that problem here in Australia. If the exam is on Saturday, I just simply need to write a letter and say, I cannot 
do the exam on Saturday, it's against my religious convictions and I will be given another day to sit the exam. Did you know that? You can do that in Australia. I've done that for a number of students. We have these beautiful freedoms here in Australia. Notice the population growth of the United States of America as compared to the United Kingdom and Russia. Okay? Check this out. The United States of America, notice the population growth. From about 1960, it's under 200 million. And notice where it is today. Today, in 2018, I went online, I had a look, 326 million from under 200 million. Have a look, the United, uh, Russia is this green, this green line, and it's basically just gone, uh, hasn't moved. 143 million in 2012, it's the same today, in 2018. The UK, can you see? It's just going up slowly. But look at the United States, it's gone through the roof. Why do so many people want to go to the United States of America? Freedom. 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 In a word, freedom. Things are changing. Yes, I know. Don't remind me. I know things are changing. And the Bible says things would change. And we're going to get to that. The Bible says the United States would have great worldwide power and authority. Notice what it says in Revelation 13, 12. And he, that is the United States of America, exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. You have to have a lot of authority. You have to have a lot of power in order to cause the whole world to do something. Don't you think? You've got to have a lot of power. You've got to have a lot of clout. When Australia tells the whole world to do something, do they jump? No. What about when Russia tells the world they've got to do something? No. Kind of, a little bit, but not like the United States. When the United States says something, hey, everyone sits up and pays attention. Isn't that right? Let's think of the United States of America for a minute. Let's think of its authority and its power today. Hollywood basically is the, is the entertainment for the planet. Isn't that right? Hollywood is the entertainer for the rest of the world. Wall Street. Is Wall Street significant? Absolutely. When Wall Street sneezes, the rest of the world catches a cold. Isn't that right? When Wall Street starts going down, what happens to the rest of the stock markets? It's like a domino effect. Facebook, Microsoft, Apple, Google, they all live in the United States of America. McDonald's, fast food, where do we get that from? We certainly don't get that from Tasmania, in case you're wondering. <laughs> they didn't come up with that, or Australia or anywhere. What about the military? Does the United States have a powerful military compared to the rest of the world? What do you think? Yes, they do. Let me share with you something, my friend. This is the United States budget on spending on military. This was back in 2016. This was from April 2017. The United States spent $600 billion for that year, 2015, on military hardware. It spent more on defense than the next eight countries combined. 
Can you see the military power and might of the United States of America? Not to be sneezed at. This is serious business. But sadly, this nation that would be Christ-like would end up speaking like a dragon. Now, who is the dragon a symbol of in Revelation? The devil and Satan. How sad. How tragic. How tragic that this nation that has begun so well would one day speak like the dragon. Speak like the devil. Notice these words. Had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. There, there is incredible intensity in this scripture and revelation. You've got the dragon and the lamb side by side. This power changes sides from being Christ-like to being Satan-like. Now the question is, how does a nation speak? This, this nation would speak like the dragon, speak like the devil. How does a nation speak? A nation speaks through its laws and legislative body. Isn't that right? That's how a nation speaks. By what it enacts in Congress, by what the president signs, by what the judiciary, the Supreme Court, decides. Those three bodies is how the United States of America speaks. Now, how will the dragon, that is Satan, use the United States government to force its citizens as well as compel all other world governments to receive the mark of the beast? That is what Revelation speaks of. We looked at the mark of the beast in the previous presentation. What's the mark of the beast again? Sunday worship. It's when Sunday sacredness is enforced around the world. How that will take place, only God knows. We will one day, some of us may be alive to see that taking place before our very eyes. I don't know how that will all take place, but the Bible says it will. What reasons will be given? We'll wait and see. But the Bible is very clear that Sunday sacredness, family day, saving the environment, saving, saving the world, it will happen. Now, how on earth will the United States compel not only its citizens, but the rest of the world to receive this mark of the church's authority, which is Sunday sacredness? Through Satan's two favorite tactics. You see, these twins are the two best friends of the devil that he has used ever since the beginning of time. And they are deception and coercion. They are what? Deception and coercion. These are his two best friends. This is how Satan will work. Now, Danny, where did you come up with that? Is that somewhere in Revelation? Or did you just pull that out of the air somewhere? Did you get that from Google? No, 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 no. We don't get anything from Google when it comes to eternal importance. We go straight to Scripture. Let's take a look at deception. Notice these words. Revelation 13, verse 13, right there in the passage, it says, He performs great what? Signs so that he even makes what? Fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Wow. This power, 
will perform signs which are miracles, even bringing fire down from heaven. Now think about fire. In the Bible, we have a number of occasions where fire comes down. We have Mount Carmel and Elijah and fire came down from heaven. That was a sign that this was from God. Isn't that right? On the day of Pentecost, we have fire coming down upon the 120 believers, tongues of fire, and that was the receiving of the Holy Spirit. Once again, an action from God. We have the Bible describing God as an all-consuming fire. We have fire at Mount Sinai when God gives the Ten Commandments. Fire in Scripture over and over and over again represents something coming from God, something having God's approval. Something having what? God's approval. Isn't that what deception is? The people of the world will believe, they'll be taught that these signs and miracles, this fire coming down from heaven, is because God is approving of this worldwide religious system that will be established where everyone will have to bend the knee. Let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. It says, and he does what? Deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. To make an image to the beast. What is that image to the beast? Good question. We will get to that at the end. Is that fair enough? We'll get to that at the end. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. What was the second favorite tactic of the enemy? Coercion. Coercion. Deception and coercion. Force. That's another word for coercion. Force. Notice what the Bible says. And he, the United States of America, exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Not only once. But this word appears three times, three times for emphasis. He causes all both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave to receive a mark on their right hand and on their foreheads and that no one may buy or sell except the one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. There is it the second time the word causes appear. It's going to appear one more time. Unless you are willing to go along with this worldwide system that will be established, you will not be able to buy and sell. Is that pretty serious? How well will you do, how well would I do if we had no money, if we had no credit cards, if we had no access to any financial resources? How well would we do? How would you pay your electricity? How would you buy your food? You would be sanctioned. Do governments around the world today put sanctions on other nations. Do you think those sanctions may one day be employed not on a country but on an individual? Mm-hmm. It's only one small step. Only one small step. We already practice sanctions. We already practice that in our world. Governments practice that not only on nations but on individuals. They'll freeze accounts, isn't that right? They'll freeze accounts, they'll confiscate property, and so on and so forth. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. 
And if that doesn't work, if economic sanctions don't work, there's one more thing the devil's going to try. Here we have these words. In verse 15, he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause, there's that word again for the third time, cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be what? Killed. Wow. So there will be a death decree. A death decree. I didn't make that up. I'm not here saying this to scare anybody. Please, those who are watching, I'm not a doom and gloom preacher. I'm a very optimistic, very happy, very positive thinking kind of person. I'm simply sharing with you what God shared in the book of Revelation, which we need to know. When buying and selling doesn't cut it, the enemy will ultimately seek to take away your life. That's what the Bible teaches. So the question is, what is the image of the beast? It appears over and over again in the text. What is the image of the beast? The first time we have the word image appear in scripture is guess where? In Genesis chapter 1, where it says God created Adam and Eve in his what? Image. And part of the image of God that he created in Adam and Eve was to give them freedom of will. Free will. Isn't that right? What's the opposite to free will? Coercion. Coercion. Pressure. Force. Manipulation. And you can go on and on using many other synonyms. Was there an image established in the past where Revelation is borrowing language from? Yes. King Nebuchadnezzar established an image. He, he erected an image some 30 meters high, all of gold. And he said, if you do not bow down and worship the image that I have set up, you will what? You will surely die. You will surely die. Is that what we just read in Revelation 13? Yes, we did. You will surely die. Did everyone bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's image? Everyone but three individuals. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego said, no, we are not bending the knee. We're not bending the knee. Our God whom we serve can save us if he so chooses. But if he doesn't, let it be known, O king, we will serve our God only and him alone shall we serve. Amen. God will have people at the end of time who will rather die if need be than bow the knee to anyone but Jesus Christ. For they worship Jesus Christ alone. Worship who alone? Jesus Christ alone. Worship Jesus Christ alone. In the dark ages, once again, church and state came together to bring about persecution. What's the image of the beast? It's when the church and the state get into bed together. That is what takes away from the image of God where he created us to freely worship him according to the dictates of our conscience. The, the enemy, Satan, says, no, you will not freely worship you will worship 
by deception, and if that fails, you'll worship by coercion. That's why the deception, the mark of the beast is where? In the forehead, where you make a conscious choice. The coercion, the mark of the beast is in the right hand. It's a symbol of work. It's a symbol of, well, I'll go along with it because I have to. Not because I want to, but because I have to, to put bread on the table, I will go along with this worldwide system that will be established. In the days of Jesus, the image of the beast, we have the coming together of the church and the state. Sadly, today in the United States of America, there is a growing push, a growing push to knock down this wall of separation between the state and the church. This was from July 4, 2011. Time magazine. Notice the headline. Does the United States Constitution still matter? Fascinating article where, where the author of the article was showing that since September 11, since when? September 11, the basic rights that are founded and grounded in the Constitution of the United States are being are being shredded. Can you see that? A picture tells her a thousand words. They are slowly being shredded. And guess what? The truth is, when what I'm sharing with you is impossible under normal circumstances. Don't, don't, don't think that this is going to happen just like that. What I'm sharing with you that Revelation predicts will happen can only happen when this world is placed in such turmoil that you and I cannot even begin to imagine. September 11 will be like a kindergarten picnic, a kindergarten picnic compared to what's coming upon the United States of America. That will trigger, that will trigger what we have just read in Revelation 13. There's got to be a trigger. It's not just going to happen overnight. Notice these words from a well-known, well-respected, very popular evangelist and pastor, Jerry Falwell. I don't, know when he, I don't know when he said these words or whether he, I think he wrote these words in one of his books. All Americans would do well to petition the President and the Congress to make a federal law and amendment to the Constitution, if need be, to establish the Sabbath as a national day of rest. Now, he's not thinking of Saturday in case you were wondering. This is a Sunday-keeping preacher. He's not thinking of Saturday. He's thinking of Sunday. He's saying that the United States people ought to put pressure on the President and Congress that the nation will establish a day of rest for everybody. A Sabbath of rest. Sunday as a day of rest for the whole nation. Can you see? We're not very far away. Anyone heard of Donald Trump? Who's heard of Donald Trump? Okay, a few of you have heard of Donald Trump. The rest of you have been sleeping under a rock for the last two years. <laughs> Donald Trump, in order to become United States president, he made a big promise to the evangelicals. He told them, if you vote for me, and they were his only lifeline. He was cooked. His goose was cooked. With all the scandals and all the stuff that came out before the election, he was a goner. He knew his only hope was white evangelicals 
in the United States that are in their millions and he needed most of them to vote for them. 75% voted for him. White evangelicals in the United States of America. And he promised them, if you vote for me, I'm going to give you as churches back your power. I'm going to give you incredible power. Notice the headline from Time Magazine, August 15, 2016. He shared this with a thousand evangelical ministers and some pretty big wigs in the Christian scene in the United States. This is the title. Donald Trump vowed to close the gap between church and what? Oh, have mercy. Have mercy. Donald Trump, in order to win votes, in order to win the election, was willing, was willing to sacrifice the very first amendment of the Constitution, which gives us a separation between church and state so that there may not be any persecution. And he said, I'm willing, I'm willing to what? Close the gap. Close the gap. What happens when you close the gap between church and state? What do you have? You have persecution. You have persecution. All that is needed, my friends, all that is needed, mark my words, all that is needed is another major event in the United States, like September 11 or 10 times worse. I don't know. God alone knows. And things will change overnight. Things will change overnight. What seems like a fairy tale will become a reality overnight. This book fascinating book. Marvin Moore, he wrote it in 2007 on this very topic. Could it really happen was his question. Sunday laws, economic boycotts, death decrees, religious persecution in America? In America? The land of the free and the home of the brave? The one that says, come to me, all you who are tempest and tossed, all you who are weary and tired, come, 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 come. Come to me and find religious and political freedom in America? Are you serious? Are we talking North Korea? Are we talking Russia? Are we talking Afghanistan? No, 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 no. We are talking America. Is it possible? Revelation 13, in the light of history and current events, I read that book again at the beginning of this year, written more than 10 years ago, and the things that he wrote as possibilities are now actually happening. Are now actually happening. I'm telling you, my friends, things are changing rapidly. Rapidly. Someone once wrote, the last movements will be rapid ones. Rapid ones. Things are going to happen very quickly. September 11th, you woke up one morning and guess what? The world had changed. Isn't that right? You woke up one morning and the world had completely changed. You went to bed and the world was like this. You woke up in the morning and the world was a different world. All happened overnight. Overnight. Why do I share this with you? To scare you? No. 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 Why did Jesus share the warnings that he shared in Matthew 24, especially in relation to Jerusalem? Why did Jesus share those words? Was it to scare his believers or was it to warn them in love so that they could be prepared? 
My friends, I'm sharing this with you because the truth is Jesus is our only hope. Jesus is our only hope. He is our only hope. How are you going to get through that time if you're alive? You're not going to get through in any other way other than through Jesus. How are your kids going to get through? Only through Jesus. How are your grandparents going to get through? Only through Jesus. Jesus and Jesus and Jesus alone will get you through. Will Jesus get you through? Absolutely. I want to finish off with this scripture. Revelation 13 verse 8. It says, All who dwell on the earth will worship him. That is, go along with this worldwide religious system that will be established, this worldwide religious order that will be established. All those who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written where? In the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. I love this promise. This promise tells me and it tells you that if you and I are following Jesus, if you and I have given our hearts and lives to Jesus, we do not need to be afraid of what's coming. If our names are written in the Lamb's book of life, we are safe and secure in those nail-scarred hands. Amen? We are safe and secure. Everyone will go along with this system except for those who have their names written in the Lamb's book of life. The Shadrachs, the Meshachs, and the Abendigos. They will be safe and secure with Jesus by their side. Isn't that what they experienced, those three boys on the plain of Jurah, who was with them in the fiery furnace? Jesus was with them in the fiery furnace. If you happen to be alive during that time when that final worship war will break out upon this world, it's going to be rough, it's going to be tough. I'm not telling you it's going to be a walk in the park. The Bible doesn't tell us that. But the good news is Jesus will be with you. He'll be with you every step of the way. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you always, even to the end of the world. Isn't that good news? That's wonderful news. Tonight, it's all about Jesus. We have hope only because of Jesus. I hope that tonight is a sober reminder of how much more time you and I need to spend in the Word and in prayer. If you're spending more time with Hollywood than in the Holy Word, let me say that again because I know some of you missed it. If you're spending more time with Hollywood than in the Holy Word, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. You're in trouble. Your only hope, my friend, is to be in the Word. Your only hope is to be on your knees. Your only hope is to put your faith and trust in Jesus and His Word. We are not talking about playing cars, playing trucks. We're not talking about marbles. We're talking about eternal significance. And the things of eternal significance. You need to be spending time in the Word. All right, you want to talk about Facebook? If you're spending, if you're spending more time on Facebook than your face is in this book, you're also in danger. Or whatever the case may be. How are we going to remain undeceived by spending time in this book? I'm challenging you tonight. I'm challenging you tonight. Spend more time in the Word. Spend more time in prayer. 
Time for us to pray. Time for us to pray. Loving Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your word. Father, tonight we have, we have dealt with some very confronting stuff that you have given to us in the Bible. Father, we recognize that without you, we have no hope. Without you, it's all doom and gloom and it's all very scary. But Father, with Jesus, we have nothing to be afraid of. With Jesus in our lives, uh, we can have complete peace and happiness and confidence in Him. Like the three Hebrews in the plain of Jura, we do not need to be afraid, for we have a God in heaven who will take care of us, a God in heaven who will see us through to the everlasting kingdom that He has prepared for all those who love Him. Oh Lord, it's my prayer, it's my prayer for those who are here, my prayer for those who are watching online, that we will all make a decision to follow you, be faithful to you, through your grace and by your strength. For we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, amen and Amen and Amen. And God bless.